You know, of all the um, professions in the world, I think being a, a, an airline pilot or a pilot in general, you're continuously having to prove yourself. Your license is only valid for six months. And if you don't revalidate that license, your license is now no longer valid. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I am actually doing this live. Very often I do my recordings on Zoom, but I am sitting here with a friend, but also a very, very interesting person, a pilot or a retired pilot. And um, I know him from my good old times when I used to fly with the good old Cypress Airways. Marius Mikhail, is this um, your was this your first assignment as a pilot? And welcome to most memorable journeys. Thank you, and uh, thank you for having me. No, it wasn't. Cyprus uh, uh, Airways was my third incarnation as a pilot. Your third? Yes, what, how, third. what did you do before? Well, I started flying as a young co-pilot with a, a company called Air Anglia in 1979. Okay based in uh, Norwich, in uh, uh, Norfolk. Um, it was the precursor of all the budget airlines, if you like, you know, local and, um, you know, northwestern Europe and Scandinavia. Uh, a most fantastic experience, I have to say, because a lot of my captains used to fly in the war. So I used to fly, my, my chief pilot, rather, uh, was a Spitfire ace, and often flying over France, he would sort of look down and look at a railway line and said, do you see that railway line there, Mary? I said, yeah. He said, I destroyed it about <laughs> half a dozen times. Uh, or another gentleman would say, do you see that car park there? Yes, I made that car park. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a most interesting time. Uh, I flew with, a, with a, uh, an ex-dambassador pilot. Beautiful people. I learned uh, uh, one hell of a lot, and mostly humility. And you did um, then decide to come back to Cyprus? Is that why you joined Cyprus Airways, or how did that happen? Because you obviously lived in the UK yeah. when you were yeah. flying for these airlines. That is correct, yeah. Well, it was the um, the, the downturn of, the, uh, of uh, air travel around the very beginning of the 80s, you know, and having been a foreign pilot, you know, I was one of the first ones to be made redundant. So, of course, I turned to my local national carrier who um, uh, had me about a year later, had me, and I was very grateful to be had. And uh, and that was another chapter of the flying career. Those were, I remember taking Cyprus Airways the first time in 1982. I can tell you it was on the 29th of March, 1982. That oh. was the first time I came to Cyprus on a back 111, okay. which had to stop over in Athens because it didn't have the range, I think, to fly no, from Syracuse. Yes. Yeah, it didn't have the range. No, it was, um, I, I didn't fly the back 111. I went straight on to the 707, which was the uh, the, the very first, um, the queen of the skies. I mean, anybody that has ever flown it uh, remembers it with fondness. Uh, it was a demanding aeroplane. Um, we had some really old aeroplane, and um, it was a pleasure to fly them and, um, you know, deal with all kinds of things that were thrown at you purely because of the age of the aeroplane. They were very well maintained, but of course, it's just an old aeroplane. And uh, when they retired, most of them just disappeared because they 
They were just too old. They were scrapped. They they were, were... One, one was scrapped immediately. The other three went to um, uh, some place in Africa, re-registered and went to some uh, place in Africa. And uh, of course, by that time, uh, the, regula- the noise regulations in, in Europe came into force and they couldn't really fly into Europe. But Africa was fine. Cyprus Airways uh, in the 80s was a good airline. It was always a good airline. Cyprus Airways was the, the, the goose that laid the golden egg uh-huh. for, for Cyprus as a country. Unfortunately, everybody wanted to, everybody wanted to roast it. And everybody eat it wanted lunch. an egg, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, not necessarily the egg. I mean, if they wanted the egg, it would have been just great. It was just a case of, uh, it's a nice fat goose, let's roast it and have it for dinner. No, that's what happened. That is such a shame because I remember the times when I was working here as a, as a rep. And, yeah. you know, every, every destination had a local on it. The local mm. language was spoken. I remember yeah. Valerie, who used to fly to Zurich because she was speaking, she was German. And I, I remember, remember, I don't Valerie. remember. Yeah. So, so it, it really is, you know, those eighties were fantastic years. They were fantastic years for tourism as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, sadly, I don't think we're going to recover them. Uh, you know, the, the age of the budget airline, you know, especially for Cyprus, these short destinations. You know, let's say the outer reaches of Europe is perhaps the UK and Cyprus is the outer reaches of Europe. So you get um, one of the budget airlines and here you are. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember when, was it the first, the first one was EasyJet? No, you know what the first airline that I remember, um, this flight from New York to London, People's oh, Express. Um, or uh, Laker. Yeah, Le- Freddie Laker. Yes, yeah. yes, Freddie, yes. Yeah. He, he was the pioneer. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean, personally, I have never liked and never will like um, low-cost carriers, but sometimes you just have to take them. They serve a purpose for sure. They serve a purpose, yeah. but um, I yeah. don't think you'd be at the type of, uh, of who would like a, a, a low-cost carrier very much. I, I've been spoiled with my, my, my last airline. Yes, I wanted that. We're getting there. We'll get there to that last I airline. Was, I was spoiled with my, with my last airline. But I did fly with the budget airlines. I, uh, I, I took two trips to the UK and um, with two different ones. And, um, you know, I'm not a small person, you know, so the, the, the space for your legs are, uh, is rather limited. Uh, and um, even for the four hours to the UK, it was kind of, oh, I couldn't wait for it to finish. Yeah, I understand. But sometimes there are certain destinations, especially if you want a direct flight instead of stopping over, oh, where yeah. it's just a necessary evil and we take them. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm myself, I'm also a little a bit of a snob when it comes to that. But that's fine, you know. You said it, not me. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> there are certain areas in life where you should be a snob. It's all about I choices. So... um Cyprus Airways, what happened? I don't remember. When did you leave? I left um, in 2005. That was 10 years before it actually went, uh, uh, before it closed its doors. I was just very, um, um, I had itchy feet from uh, very early on. I, I, I wanted to um, like spread my wings a little further. Because Cyprus Airways didn't have any long, desti- long no, distance. No, uh, it, it didn't. And um, just to sort of paraphrase, you know, my, my youngest daughter has always said, Dad, am I always going to be the youngest? <laughs> I said, of course you are. <laughs> am I always going to go to this school? Well, yes, until we decide to change. So I decided very early on to um, uh, move on and, um, you know, uh, broaden my horizons, see more horizons, uh, fly for other people and um, uh, experience life in, in full, I think. Did you 
choose to go to Dubai and to fly with Emirates or did you try other places and uh-huh. end? Yeah, I, for, for a period of about five, six years, I went to uh, uh, a few airlines in the Far East, Singapore Airlines, Cathay Pacific, um, what's the other one, uh, EVA. All of them uh, offered me a job, but it just wasn't the right time and the right situation for me and the family at the time. So when the um, when uh, Emirates uh, came up with the offer, um, it just ticked all the boxes, if you like, and I uh, jumped at the opportunity and I went. And I I haven't looked back at all. So 2005 yeah. until you 2020. went... That's 15 years. 15 years. That's a long time yeah. for the same. That's many, many destinations. We, I can't really remember how many exactly we had, but um, uh, I think about more than 160, 170. And I think I probably did about 90% of them, at least. The one thing that always fascinates me with Emirates is that um, they have this very, very colorful, different uh, nationality yeah. cruise. Yeah, they they um, they actually celebrate that all the time, um, and um, one of the things the, the first three days that you're there, it's called induction, uh, and um, uh, what they actually do is they put you in a classroom, and uh, the word that you will uh, hear more than anything else is culture and um, nationality. So uh, they they really hammer it into everybody that this is not just a any normal airline, you know. There are about 120 nationalities. In the pilot force, I think there were 120 minimum. So you basically get to fly with all kinds of nationalities, uh, with people from all over the world. And because of the size of the airline, I think in my 15 years, I only flown with a co-pilot, the same co-pilot, more than once, about half a dozen times. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. But that also needs a lot of getting used to new people all the time. Is that something that you get used to? How do pilots cope or adjust to each other? It's a, it's a very interesting question. Uh, let me try and answer it as best as I can. I always said that the first hat that anyone wears when they walk into a briefing room is that of a kind of psychologist. And you're going to sort of take a look at your crew and you're going to decide whether it's going to be a good flight or not. I mean, that's perhaps a little too uh, uh, intense to say that. But it's true when you're going to sit in the same cockpit with somebody for the next uh, 10, 12 hours, um, you'd like to have a very good relation, uh, even for that short period of time. And you you work towards that. And like I said uh, earlier, you know, in the induction where you uh, are being um, coached to try to understand somebody else's um, culture and where he comes from. It's actually very, very interesting because you do have time and you have an exclusively to yourself to, to ask questions, to answer questions. If you're, if you're going to sit there for 10 hours and learn nothing at the end, it's going to be a little... Um, it's a long flight if you don't have It's a long flight and tedious, <laughs> you know, and you, you'll come out with it from it without really knowing anything more than when you went in. So yeah, it was it was incredibly fantastic to to uh, to fly with uh, people from all over the world. You know? Has it happened to you that you had to fly with somebody where it was really difficult? Like you you really felt that this is this is going to be a long flight. We're not going uh, to. Yeah, I mean, if I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Um, 
there are people, if you like, that uh, they they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's always the age difference, if you like, um, between the, the you know the uh, the gradient in the cockpit. You know, uh, it can be experience, it can be all kinds of things, but age also comes into effect. So, if you fly with a co-pilot who's perhaps much older than you are, um, the uh, you expect a, a little bit of a shall we say problem with inverted commas without really being a problem, but then you try to deal with it differently. Like you say, well, you know, maybe I was at the right place at the right time and you weren't, you know, yeah. and, uh, we, we ended, you know, nine times out of 10, you end up having a beer in the bar yeah. at the end of the flight yeah. anyway. Yeah. So uh, it's how you deal with it. Um, also nationalities, you know, um, uh, there's a there's a massive difference in, in gradient like, you know, even in, within the English-speaking world, you know, say Americans, Canadians, Australians, New Zealanders, you know, uh, South Africans, those are the, let's say, English-speaking world. There's a lot of power gradient between mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, you only need to see the nationality of your crew member, you say, oh, here we go. Um, I have to do this and I have to sort of keep my mouth shut about this, you know, it, Don talk about this and don't yeah, talk about that. yeah, it's, so it's delicate, it's very, delicate, very, very delicate. Yeah. yeah, and it is culture. Obviously, yeah. is a very, very big word, but I think it's a school of life in a way. Oh, tell me about it. It's absolutely fantastic school of life. Another thing is religion and politics. Mm. So you learn not to talk about those things because yeah. those are the big evils in this world: religion so, and politics. Well, I'm happy you said that because <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I. I really hate both of them with a vengeance. Yes, yes, and they they are the cause of all the problems in this world. Yeah. But that's another podcast. We are oh. not doing a political episode <laughs> no, here. No. We're talking about traveling, but we are, we do agree. And, and you know, as a matter of fact, yeah. an airline like this, or even just one flight like this, this microcosm of, of it, could, it represents the world. Yeah. And somehow, if you can get on in this small place, it should be possible that we get on, on in a on a in a big place. Really, I, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we talked about what happens in the cockpit or who you fly, uh, but also don't forget in, the, in a massive aeroplane like that. I mean, we got fifteen, seventeen people in the back, mm-hmm. and one of the things, if you've flown with the, with the Emirates, I'm sure you have, uh, uh, they they always say to the when they do their uh, their announcements they announce how many people are on mm-hmm. the airplane from how many different and countries how many languages and how many yes. different languages yes. so they they do that's a proof enough that they do celebrate yes. beautifully yes. i have to say yes. um the uh, the the, the, the the, the oneness, the oneness, yeah, the, yeah. The diversity, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. they all do an exceptional job. I have to admit, uh, they do an exceptional job. Everybody comes out of the airplane, uh, you know, with an, a, a fantastic experience. Regardless of which class of travel you are going to be in, you will have an exceptional. So, yeah, they've been a um, fantastic employer, and um, I do have uh, the fondest memories of them. And long may they live. In a crew, like when you try, you, you go on a plane, like yeah. a big plane, a 380, is the pilot, are you in charge? Are you like the highest person, the highest uh, in the hierarchy of, of this crew? You are the boss. Yeah, you are the boss. Does are. it happen that you have to mediate between crew? Has it happened to you? Yeah. Um, you are basically the in charge of them from the moment they come into the, uh, they report from for work. 
to the moment they uh, report off duty on the way back at base. So you are in charge of them. And not only that, but you're responsible for them. So should somebody misbehave down route in a hotel in a, in a, in a foreign city and he gets arrested, mm -hmm. they will call you, the captain. Okay. You know, because... He will be interrogated. Who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm crew. And okay, who's uh, who's in charge of you? Oh, my captain. Where is he? He's asleep in bed. <laughs> Have you been called? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. And mediated too, you know. Uh, um, it normally it's matters of the heart when it comes to between female crew members, you know, where you took my boyfriend. No, I didn't. Um, yes, he did. That kind mm. of stuff. So, so well, there's the odd occasion where I had to sort of uh, play daddy. Okay. <laughs> no, yes. you haven't. You mustn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so it also needs a lot of diplomacy in that yeah. case. Yeah. Let's talk about aircraft types. Yeah. How many aircraft aircraft types does a pilot fly on? Do you specialize on one type? Yes. At any one time, you only have one type of airplane on your license. Um, until and, and the one that you pre, you flew previously will then become defunct. You know you cannot fly that anymore. You have to retrain on it. The reason for that is very simple. is It's not just like going from uh, uh, one car to another. You're going on an aeroplane and you need to know that aeroplane very well. Uh, be uh, experienced with it. You know, um, easy to uh, uh, identify things and um, be current on it. Meaning, currency means that you have been flying it, uh, you know, uh, recently. Mm -hmm. So I have flown more than one type of airplane. But if, if, say, I'm flying, let's say, the 777 right now, the Boeing 777, but I used to fly the Airbus 330. Yes, I know the airplane, but, I, you know, I can fly it at a, at a pinch, but I wouldn't sort of be very comfortable with mm -hmm. it. Whereas... With the, the, one, the, yeah. the one that you're, because you go into simulator exactly. and you, you all the you'd time. Go, so you're, yeah. you're trained for that airplane. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, um, you know, the, the one that you flew before becomes a distant memory. Uh, and um, what if you were a passenger on a plane <laughs> and this plane was in trouble? Let's say one of the pilots had a heart attack or, or yeah. passed out. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be a heart attack. Let's make yeah. it milder yeah. uh, a stomach bug. Yeah. Could you, would you, would a pilot be asked to help? Yeah, if uh, if something like that happened, uh, one of the things that the crew, the cabin crew is um, trained to do is to um, ask. But nowadays with uh, all the information being in a computer, you know, uh, they, they know that. They already know that you're on board. You're on board. So yes. they might not even make that announcement yeah. and say, uh, you know, come up to you straight away and say, can you come and help? The answer to event is yes, yes, you can help. Um, you can uh, provide your knowledge. You can provide your uh, experience. You can provide your insight, you know, from a man from the outside looking in. For two people, let's say, to have uh, suffered something uh, massive that, you know, the airplane is completely out of control yeah. without anybody is a bit over the top. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it happen happens in movies. Yes, in movies. <laughs> So let's say there's one person that is, uh, you know, completely okay, and you can just provide support, a little bit of knowledge, um, and 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 help the situation. Okay. You know? Yeah, because there will yeah. be one who knows yeah, how exactly. to fly it. And, and yeah. exactly, and, and, even, and even if he couldn't do it, 
for one or the other reason, then you will have a, a real good stab at it. And yeah. Probably make yeah. A, a, but it could a, happen. So, could, so yeah. they, they would know that you're on board in today's world. They know that you're on board and they may call you. Yeah. One of the things that we do when you get on the airplane, especially with the airline that you've worked before, like for, uh, you know, Emirates, you know, and now and before, um, you, you would sort of, I'm an old colleague. You go and knock mm -hmm. on the cockpit on the ground because you're not allowed to do that in the end and say, hello, guys, I'm an ex-colleague. You know, mm -hmm. how are you? I'll be having a good day. Mm -hmm. And of course, they, with that, they know that you're there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we both know that yeah. flying is the safest way of transport, Absolutely. way by far, by, by far. far. But the problem is that when something happens in the air, chances are that the consequences are bigger than when yeah. there are only four people in a car. Have you been in trouble? Have you had situations in your time as a pilot where you were like thinking, oh, my God? Well, yes, of course, 45 years in the airline. It's impossible, you know, it's impossible, not, impossible to, not, to yeah. had, not to have had anything. And, um, you know, but, you know, I'm still here, you know, I'm here talking to you, so everything <laughs> went all right. <clears throat> there's, there's always little things. Sometimes those little things escalate to become a little bit bigger. But that's why you train so much. That's why you continuously get tested. You know, of all the um, professions in the world, I think being a, a, an airline pilot or a pilot in general, you're continuously having to prove yourself. Your license is only valid for six months. And if you don't revalidate that license, your license is now no longer valid. But to do so, you have to go into a simulator, go through the uh, the scenarios and everything. Uh, and, and that's not a bad thing because you, um, you you practice the things that you don't, that don't happen every day. Yes. You know? Yes. But... 99% of the time, something happens that you haven't even trained for. Yeah. But all the training comes into effect and you, you're able to... Um, something else I, I, I'd like to add, um, uh, there's, um, there's, a, there's a little, well, not little, it's a very large part of our training. And it came into effect, if you like, in the 80s, and it's called crew resource management. management. And the idea behind that um, it started out as cockpit resource management, and then it was renamed to crew resource management. The idea behind that was that you might be the captain, but you're not uh, the emperor of Japan. Mm -hmm. you know, Japan. Mm -hmm. you know, you're not infallible. So you might be having a bad day that day. So it's to use your crew. So there's two of us in the cockpit, or maybe sometimes more than that. So um, see what they have to say about it. And they might actually say something that you didn't even think about, which is a good thing. And say, oh, that's a better idea than the one I was kind of working on. And um, then instead of one brain, you have two or three or four working on it. And um, things become easier. But that needs humility. That needs, yeah. that needs oh, for you to yeah. show that you don't know everything. Yeah, but this is why you, you get all the training and this is why, if you like, you, you go through all the psychometric and all that um, very um, highfalutin uh, scientific ways of recruiting people into, into an airline. You don't just say, can you fly an aeroplane? Yes, here's my license. Okay, you're, you're hired. Mm -hmm. You go through three days of all kinds of tests and, you know, including psychometric which we don't even know how it works. I don't know how it works. I mean, it's all squiggles and little squares mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. And you wonder, at least I did, you know, how on earth do they work out what kind of person I am just by where I put the square? 
but somehow they do. Psychology. Psychology. Yes. Very yes, big. Yes. So if if something um, comes out of of this which is not positive, they at the end of the day they might just say, right, uh, we're not going to employ this guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit the profile. Or we're not going to work with him any longer yeah. because yeah. people can change over yeah. the years. They could be stressed or they could be other things. To to uh, to sort of to uh, add to that, um, something else that happens is after you turn 60, now the age of 60 uh, of uh, retirement has gone to 65. But when you reach the age of 60, which used to be the retirement age, you now have to go through all these psychological things, the psychometrics, to uh, to uh, um, for them to ascertain that you're okay to continue till sixty five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can imagine, you know, at the age of sixty, you know, you know, playing around with little lines and squiggles and squares is not as easy as it used to be. But you sort of go into it with uh, great gusto and um, uh, um, and do it. Yeah, and and it's for the safety of, of of your passengers. And I want to add a little trivia here because I am an, um, a, a, a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. I do fear of flying uh, hypno- uh, hypnotherapy, and I also tell the people who come to see me. And I have read that, and I don't. I'm not sure if it's true, but chances that you will end up in yeah. a plane crash are that you would have to fly. 19,000 years every day. So that gives you more or less an idea of how safe flying is. Oh, yes, it is safe. I mean, you're talking to a pilot of 45 years, so it is safe. Um, I have to think what to say to somebody who who asks me about it because I would know that they are afraid of flying. So I I don't want to, first, sound pompous, or if you like, demeaning towards them because they're afraid of flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you need to find the right words to. Uh, I'm sure you're better th- than I am because you you're hypnotherapist and you've travelled enough and uh, uh, lots to to know why somebody. It's a rational fear, isn't it? It's a very irrational. Fear. It's an irrational fear. Yeah. We only have two basic fears. Yeah. Everything else is conditioned. Something happened somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. told. It, it's in your subconscious mind, but it, it was put in there. It, it wasn't there yeah. from the beginning because we're all born with an empty subconscious mind. Absolutely. So um, that's another story. But um, the other thing that I wanted to say, and now I forgot, what was it that I wanted to say <laughs> to you? But it will come back. Shots the wine away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them that we're drinking wine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think have you like have you ever come out of a flight and said, "Oh my God, thank God, I'm out of this plane." Well, there the, the, see you making making these memories come back. I uh, I've had one week, and that was in Cyprus. It was in a long time ago, where in one week I had three deaths on board. Oh no. That's, uh, yes. I did three flights that that week, and um, um, I had uh, three gentlemen die on me on those three different flights, uh, one each, mm-hmm. and um, I I couldn't believe it. You know, I I, I kind of uh, came out feeling rather depressed. You know, and uh, I went home uh, still feeling depressed and thinking, why? You know, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, I know that was an irrational sort of question because I had nothing to do with it, but. Um, it was just one of those things um, that somebody does. Well, 
I have to tell you something which may sound horrible, but I think that's actually my dream to die on a flight, <laughs> you know, to, 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 but no, I mean, to die alone. I, don't, I wouldn't want the plane you to don't. go. I'm only joking because I just love traveling and I love flying yeah. and it Who would doesn't? be a nice way to go. Now I remember what I wanted what to ask it? you. What's turbulence? What do, Because people are afraid of turbulence okay. and especially people who are afraid of flying are even more afraid of turbulence because it starts shaking. Yeah. Well, just think of yourself on a boat. You know, and you go, you're going on a on a calm sea, or not such a calm mm-hmm. sea. You know, calm sea is going to be just nice and smooth. On a on a rather wavy sea, it's going to be up and down. And uh, turbulence is very much like that, but in the air. Imagine the air sort of coming in different levels and layers and different temperatures and different directions. Mm-hmm. That is what turbulence. Is. And you know, as a pilot, when turbulence, like you know, when when there is then when there is like a storm, or you avoid yeah. things that. Oh you, yeah, we don't go into the storm. Yes. Not unless you have to, and you you try to find the the least uh, you know sort of area of uh, of activity. You know, in a, in a in a cloud. We avoid it. Yes. Uh, there is no yes. reason why yes. uh, anyone should go in a, th- a, th- a thunderstorm. Yeah. You know, if you can, if you have a, a way out. And then it's like when you are on the sea and there are waves and you, you drive the boat, you slow down and you slow yeah. down and yeah. you, you, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's no exactly. big deal. Exactly. It's, it's a case of, uh, if, if you have a, a line of, uh, uh, of thunderstorms and there's no way you can go, you know, there's a limit to how far away you're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you are going to find the, the thinnest part of it all and go through it. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you, mm-hmm. you might ask other people, what happened to you? You know, so you, you get uh, the, uh, the, those in front of you mm-hmm. that uh, went through it and which way did they go? Yeah. Uh, so many different um, um, ways of doing it. But thankfully, most of the times you can avoid it. Okay. And uh, it's all good. Now we've talked about all this technical stuff and, and safety and so on. I want to talk about destinations. <laughs> what is your favorite place in the world? Do you um, have one? You know, I don't actually have one. Uh, I have, um, th- there's so many, you know, I, um, I, I love Brazil. Uh, I love places, you know, um, from the Brazilian destinations, I love um, Rio uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, there's, how how can anyone not yeah. love Rio? Yes. Okay, there are areas of Rio that you don't really love. Um, I love the, uh, the, uh, the Maldives. Okay, you know? well, I, it's fine. Obviously, flew to the Maldives. I worked in the Maldives so in 1985. I. I actually lived there for a little. Bit. You're joking. I near. I, I was so bored. I, <laughs> well, uh, thankfully, I wasn't there all the time. But um, it was a it was a dreamlike destination. Uh, Seychelles, uh, uh, Mauritius, down there. Yeah, I, I love Southeast Asia very yeah. much uh, for many many reasons. Uh, the food, the culture, the the atmosphere. Um, New Zealand uh, is a very, rather beautiful place. I'm very, I'm fascinated with Japan as well. Well, you see, that's you, you're like me. You start with one thing and then you end up saying the whole world because <laughs> everything is beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah, that's why I said I don't have one yeah, destination. Yeah, uh, there there are so many, and um, you know, we sort of okay, COVID kind of put a bit of a damper on it when I retired in 2020, but uh, you know, Simone and I are, are sort of slowly trying to. You know, eat the world up yeah. slowly, and yeah. um, I love um, I love uh, Buenos Aires. 
Oh my God, I do you know? too. Well, I didn't last time. I didn't stay long enough because I had to escape. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so basically, you will go back to places where you flew to because you like yes. them. Yes, and and places that I haven't been to uh, uh, that I would like to go to. You see, I associate destinations with um, first of all, you know how, how good a time I had. You see, the 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 sights and the uh, will always be there. But you know, it's the the feeling you get when you're there, the the wines that we're gonna drink, the the food we're gonna uh, uh, eat. Oh, it's, there's so many things that um, go to make a good destination. So the world is a beautiful yeah. place, and and I yeah. think um, I believe that everybody should go and see stuff. It opens your horizon. And I think it also makes you humble and it makes yeah. you understand that you're, you're, you're nothing. I'm very, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I'm very um, happy that my kids um, are little travelers themselves. Yeah. You know? Well, they're not so little anymore, but uh, they do, they do like to travel. And um, you can see the difference, you know, with the with the attitude towards life. Absolutely, you know? and, yes. Uh, I mean, I know your children travel a lot, and it's 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 remarkable. And um, it makes them different people. Absolutely. It just uh, changes. It makes the, it makes you humble in a way. It yeah. makes you more understanding. If you were young again, mm. would you do it? Would you do the same? Would you become a pilot again? Yes, it's the most remarkable profession, if you like. Uh, it has so many different facets about it. We don't just fly airplanes. We're more than just um, operators of a, of a big sort of flying machine. We There are so many different uh, names that you can attach to our profession, which not necessarily approved or, or recognized, but as uh, on a personal level, you know, er, um, the pilots actually practice them to get through their day, uh, uh, to get through the flight. It's all very exciting and kind of uh, dreamy in so many different ways, but um, there's so much preparation to go before. There's so much work to do during, and um, you know the the after is always the, the the good part, if you like, where you can say, right, we've gone through today. It's been a nice day. It's been a good flight. Everybody seems to be happy. Pour me another drink. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, um, for somebody who is young, like now, let's say now, I don't know, 25, yeah. what's the best, what would in today's world be the best way to start? Things have changed a lot since I was 25 uh, and the airline business is not what it used to be. However, that doesn't mean to say that it's not worth going for it. Um You always start at the bottom. Uh, there's no two ways about it. You know, um, Unlike a lot of people here, where, <laughs> where they, they sort of come over with a degree and they want to be into a managerial position straight away, you do not come out of flying school with a captain's certificate, you know. You're going to have to work your way up uh, and um, you're going to choose a good flying school. You're going to take every opportunity that's thrown at you, uh, work your heart out, enjoy your life whilst you're doing that, and the opportunities are all there, you know. There will always be a need for pilots. Right now, there's a there's a massive uh, shortage of pilots, and uh, as people like myself retire, you know, younger people will take yeah. you know the position yeah. and come in and and uh, and enjoy. You might not get in with the big boys, you know, the big airlines straight away. But you have to start somewhere, yeah. and you just need a yeah. few years of uh, experience, yeah. and and just do it. Just Absolutely. go through it. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, I think this is this is so wise because this is what many people want. They just want to have all. You have to have patience. Patience, patience, yes, and, and, and humility. You know, yeah, you, can, you know you, you, you know you cannot expect to move in with the with the big airlines. You know, um, uh, coming out of flight school, you're going to have to um, flip a few burgers first, <laughs> and, um, and uh, eventually the opportunity will come, and you're going to take it. Yeah, and you're going to relish it and go. Right and with you're going to do a good job and, and stay there. It. Yeah, um, we are both. Were you born in Cyprus? Yes, you were born in Cyprus. Yes. Well, we. Are, I wasn't born here, but I feel like I was. I've been here for so long, um, because we're coming to the end. I'm looking at the time. Oh, right. We were having fun, but we, you know, it has to end somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Do you enjoy retiring in Cyprus? Uh, no. <laughs> Where would you like to be? Uh, we're in the process of go, of, uh, of looking around right now. Okay. Um, I am, this is recorded because I it's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> I I believe uh, in perhaps uh, you know sort of um, uh, doing something a little bit out of your comfort zone. I'm in. Uh, I'm due for a big reset. Okay. You know, and the reset is that I need to be somewhere else for a period of time. I'm not saying I'm going to leave Cyprus entirely, but right now I'm not enjoying it purely because um, uh, I live in a place where there's very little community. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Um, for example, everybody wants to have lunch, but nobody has lunch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, um, and and um, uh, you know things like that. Um, I'd like to um, kind of turn the page. Uh, I feel like I've gone back. Rather than and you know what forward. to actually understand that and admit that and to do something about it takes a lot of courage. Yeah, if I don't, you know, if I don't uh, accept the fact there's a problem, how can I fix it? That's very, very true, and I think that is a very, very wise end to a lovely podcast. Because if there is a problem, you fix it. You do something mm. about it. Absolutely, totally, I agree. Anything else that we want to say? I think we've covered a lot. Would you like another glass? I will have another glass, <laughs> but I will end the podcast episode first. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Marios Michael. Did they call you Marios Michael when you were? What, how yes. did they pronounce yeah, your family? Because in Greek, it's Michael. Michael, yeah. Yes, but uh, you know, in in uh, in Dubai it was Michael, and uh, so he was in uh, Cyprus as well. Okay, yeah. so thank you, Marios Michael, You're very for being a guest on most memorable journeys today. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.